Hey everyone, this is Clay. Welcome to the Meadowdale Podcast, where our goal is to help people know Jesus and grow in Him. And it's our hope that you will see and hear that in everything that we do. At the end of this podcast, I want to encourage you to take a moment to visit our website, meadowdale.org, to keep up to date with everything that we have going on here. If you enjoyed the message, feel free to subscribe so that way you can be notified as soon as new content is released. We hope what you're about to hear will inspire you. So thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. We are in week two of our series, Generous. And I don't know if it's occurred to you, but we're over halfway through the month of of the Thanksgiving month of November and, and time seems to be quickly flying by and that may be run, redundant, quickly flying by, but it is happening quickly. And I don't know, but it seems like sometimes it's going by so quickly that I just don't even have time to focus, but here we are and this is where we're going. And before we know it, we're gonna be saying Happy New Year and everything's gonna pass by. But today, right now, in this moment, I'm asking you'll be here in this moment because we are in week two of generous. And last week we got it started. This is going to be a three-part series. We got it started. And looking at it, we looked at this verse. I'll go ahead and throw it on the screen. Paul said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said this. He was, he was talking, he was talking, he said, it is more blessed, it is more blessed to give, or maybe you've heard it, it's better to give than to receive. And when we listened to, we looked at this verse last week, I posed the question, I said, is it really better? Is it really better to give than to receive? And if the answer is yes, then why? Why is it better to give and to receive? And we went there and we looked at the source of generosity, and we're going to get back to the definition in a a second, but the source of generosity. But the answer is yes, it is. If you are a Christ follower, that means you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. If you are a Christ follower, then yes, it is better to give to receive. And why? Because you're becoming more like Christ, more like Christ. It is better to give than to receive. We looked at last week as Paul was talking, and we're going to be looking at some verses Paul and Peter uh, wrote today. But Paul was talking and he told everybody who was listening to him, he said, hey, you need to obey. You need to be generous. And why? Because Christ said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then going a little bit further, he said, well, what are the greatest two commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Then he said, what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love equals generosity. So last week we focused on said, until you, don't worry about the outcome of generosity until you know the source of generosity. And true generosity, true Loving of others is found in Christ and Christ alone. Now, you can, you can do things okay, and you can do things okay without Jesus, but it's never going to be true, and it's never going to be pure. So Jesus, the source, always must precede the act of generosity. When you have the source correct, then you can worry about the outcome. But here's the thing, as I shared last week, and then we'll jump in. In the moment, it's not so much about the act of being generous as it is about the obedience of what Christ calls you to do. It's about being obedient in the moment and then letting him worry about the outcome. So that's where we ended last week and we're gonna pick up today with that. But in 1992, I don't remember much about 1992, 
Some of you remember it better than I do, but in 1992, there was a book that came out. And this book was called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Some of you may have heard this. Some of you have read this. Some of you may have read this many times. I've read this. This book has been published thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. And this book has actually spurred other books where it's like the five love languages of children and the five love languages anyways of, of I don't know what, but there's a lot of books that have come off this, but the five love languages. This is a book for married couples, for couples who are working together. And Gary says, and I would agree with him, that we all have a love tank. There's all, we all have a way that we get refueled, the way we feel loved. And some of those are quality time. He would say some of it's physical touch. Some of it's acts of service. Some of it is gifts. But there's one that sticks out to me, and it may be because this is mine, but it's words of affirmation. You see, there are all different types of ways that we can do this. Becca, my wife, she can buy me the greatest thing ever. You know this. She can buy me whatever. But if she comes home one day and says, hey, I love you and you did a good job with something, that will surpass everything. Why? Because my love tank is full. So no, we're not going to go on dating 101 today. But this book does tell me something, that in the, in the, uh, the realm of generosity, Sometimes something needs to be physically provided. Sometimes it's either a financial need or it's a material thing. But when it comes to words of affirmation, sometimes your generosity simply needs to be a word. And I don't know if we've ever thought about that way, but are you generous with your words? Are you generous with what you say? Maybe for you growing up, you had that coach or you had that teacher or that parent or that pastor or that mentor, that someone who encouraged you, you can do it. You can go for it. And that was all you needed and you went for it and you did it. And you, you may be the person now who's giving words generously. Maybe you're mentoring students. Maybe you're volunteering. Maybe you're, you're, sometimes you're in uh, our Meadowdale Kids environment. You work with the students on Wednesday nights or, or you're out in the community and you're out there sharing Christ's love and you're spurring them along. And I would say that's fantastic. But I also know that, and I'm including myself in this, that we're also human. And that means we can be mad and we can get angry. And the question I would have for you, have you ever held, withheld, words when you know you should have offered them generously. Maybe someone did something very good and you enjoyed that and you liked it, but you could not say anything positive to them because of something inside of you and you weren't generous with your words. You knew you should do it. You you knew you should say it, but there was something negatively that was blaring and glaring the positive words that should come out of your mouth. So a question I have for us is this. What would it look like if the church was more generous in their words? What would it look like if the church was generous with their words? We are known for something. We're all known for something. That's intimidating time. That's scary at times. We all have a reputation. We all have a wake like a ship behind us that follows us. We are known for something. What is the church known for? Are we known for what we're for or are we known for what we're against? Do we pick apart or do we build up 
I think the church should be known for love, should be known for truth, because truth is love, even when it is difficult, should be known for grace, and it should be known what we're for, and that is Jesus Christ. Everything that we should do, if you're here today and you're a Christ follower, every moment of every day, every breath you take, every step you take, I'll be watching you song, and whatever it is, should point people to Jesus. And if it doesn't, that's an issue. So today, this is not going to be your normal generosity talk. We're not going to talk about things you need to provide for the community, which we have a great opportunity to provide for the community, which we'll look at next week. But this is something that doesn't cost anything, and it's your words. So today we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you want to turn there, if you're not sure where it's at, that's in the New Testament. Go a little bit halfway in the New Testament, and you'll find it there, right after 1 Corinthians. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one in front of you, and you can take that with you when you leave here if you'd like to. We believe in God's Word that much. We want you to have it. Or use it on your phone or your iPad, Android, whatever it is you prefer. But we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. But before we get there, I want to go back to the definition of generosity. As I said last week, this, this definition was created by the University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, whatever you want to call it. Notre Dame is what we call it here. We're not in Paris and this is what they said when they were doing a study. The virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. The virtue, the moral code, what is right, what is good. Generosity is that thing where you give to others freely and abundantly. Generosity. Generosity of words when you give to others freely and abundantly. Now, I'm not talking about blowing smoke. And I'm not talking about making something that you're not, but I'm saying when you see something, do your words give life to others? And if they don't, why? I'm not going to jump ahead here, but from November until December and 1st of January, this is some of the most difficult months for some people of, all, of the entire year. There's something about the holiday season of Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's. Well, it brings out the good in people. But unfortunately, it brings out this nasty negative side that they don't even know at times why it is there. So if you know people are already going to have that, why not go ahead and approach it differently? So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn there, he says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. We're going to come back to the confession, the wording. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. 
And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace. God has given you thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul's talking about generosity. That first verse is looking at, he's saying, if you go back to, you study Isaiah, that's a promise. God's gonna provide, God's gonna take care. So Paul's saying right off the bat, being generous, being generous in general, don't worry about giving if you don't have. God's going to provide. He's saying God's gonna provide. You've seen it done. He's gonna do it again and he's gonna do it again. Now, the provisions may never be exactly how you think they should be. But remember, God's ways are the right way. And he sees beyond what you see. You may have the frame and he has the entire picture. But if we look at verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, excuse me, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That righteousness, being righteous is becoming more Christ-like. He's saying as you give, you can't help becoming more like Christ. Going back to last week, Christ must be the source of all generosity, whatever that is, whether that's physical, whether that's words, whether that's material, whatever it is that you are giving, Christ must be the center of it. Jesus is the answer here. Christ must be that. But going on in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Not on some occasions, not on occasions when it's beneficial, not on occasions when somebody scratched your back so you've got to scratch theirs. No, in every occasion, be generous. Well, that rubs me the wrong way at times because I don't think people deserve it all the time. But then I look in the mirror and I go, and you didn't deserve it either. Every occasion, be generous. He's not even, he hasn't even mentioned providing the material need. He hasn't even talked about providing it, writing a, a check. He's just in every occasion, every aspect of life. There has to be a source of something. And he says, generous. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to who? To God. Everything must point back or point forward. It never should point onto you. It must point to Jesus. Jesus is the source of generosity. But your words can be that generosity that someone else needs. And I love how he keeps going with this. We go to verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also what? Overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I picture a cup that's overflowing. The cup's full, it's overflowing, it's getting everybody wet. Paul says as well, whether you know this or not, if you're a Christ follower, others will know us by the way that we love. Love is contagious, it overflows. I don't care how grumpy you are, I don't care how you hate love. When you meet someone who truly loves you, you can't help but feel something. Now you can deny it and you can say that's not real or I've got a bad, I got some indigestion or I watched a Hallmark movie last night and I'm still having nightmares about that. Whatever it is, which I like Hallmark movies, you know this, it's Christmas now, come on, 24 hours a day. 
I'm thankful for Christmas when people say, what about Thanksgiving? I'm thankful for it. But when you think about it, and, and I've been, as I think about this and I've been coming back, uh, moving back here after uh, being gone for about 10 years, and I see people that I've gone to high school with, and three-fourths of that, those people don't even go to church anymore. They've turned their back on church. And I go, why? Why is it? And you've heard me say it before, if you're, you have this is the first time, well, I don't think it's Jesus. I really don't think it's Jesus. I think when Jesus gets a hold of you, it's something real and you can't let go of it. I think it's his followers. See, we're really good at pointing out and making a point but not a difference. But right here, when Jesus is the source, it makes a difference. It makes it, and they will know by how we love them, and they will know by how we encourage them. They will know by the way that we simply pursue Jesus. And remember this, pursuing God is not simply vertical. It's horizontal. It's loving. I go back again. What comes out of your mouth? Are the words generous? Are they uplifting? Sure, that person just made a joke in that meeting that really offended you and they kind of threw you under the bus, but did they do a good job on the presentation? Are you gonna say something? Well, they don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that, but are you gonna do it anyways? Because as we know, While we were still sinners, while we were the worst of the worst, Christ died for us. It's about others. They give overflowing and then expressions to God. That's where it starts pointing to. Then verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession, confession of the gospel of Christ. If you believe with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the confession, see, words are powerful and words need to follow action because I do, you may be here going, Jeremy talks cheap and I would say, yes, talk is cheap. You can say something all day. Eventually there needs to be action, but there is something powerful about words. And sometimes actually the words are action. Sometimes the words are putting your faith into action by saying what needs to be said in whatever situation it needs to be said in. Words are powerful. That accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and, here we go, for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You know who everyone is? Everyone. Everyone I'm not saying to be fake. And I'm not saying if you're not a words person to start forcing out words because that's when it gets weird and you try to be who God hasn't created you to be. What I'm asking to be is obedient in the moments, being so sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading you that he can't help. Going back to last week when the Holy Spirit said, give that man $20. I said, I'm not giving that man $20. He said, give the man $20. I said, I don't wanna give the man $20. What did I do? I gave him $20. And as I walked back to the table, he's going to spend on drugs. He's going to spend on sex. He's going to spend on alcohol. I don't know what he's going to spend it on. And God says, what to me? It's not about what he does. It's about your obedience to me in the moment. Let me handle that. It's kind of like what Jesus said. What's that to you? You follow me. 
with everyone. Verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace. God, excuse me, lost my place here. God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So we had that. But I want to jump to 1 Peter. And 1 Peter, if you don't know where it's at, it's a little bit towards the end of the New Testament, right before Revelation, a few chapters before, books before. But here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verse 8 through 10, verses 8 through 10. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I'm going to read that again, and then I'm going to read that for me. Finally, all of you be like-minded. What does that mean? You all dress the same? No, it doesn't mean that. But like-minded means being on the same path. What's the mission? Our mission here, whether you're a visitor, whether you're, you've been here, we're, it's not going to change. It's, it was what was, when it was founded in 1968, it is to see people know Jesus Christ as Savior. And if we're not doing that, then we're failing. If we've got good music and you're an okay speaker and you enjoy your, your campus group, and you, but Jesus is not the center of it, then it's nothing. We just got a good social club here. Be like-minded, the mission to see people know Jesus and then grow in him. Not just get them saved and then say good luck. No, walk with them. A term discipleship, grow them. We never stop learning and growing, even if you are 89 or 95 or just saw the oldest couple is like 105 from Texas. It's incredible. Been married for 70-something years. I don't know if they know Jesus or not, but if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they still are growing until they meet him in eternity. But he says, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, love. We don't need to go to 1 Corinthians, but we know what love is. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. I like how that also translated, not easily offended. And the big one, it keeps no records of wrong. It's like Jesus wants us to know something here. Be compassionate. Be humble. Humility's tough because you can't say how humble you are. If you say that, then guess what? You may need to work on your humility. So that one's a little tougher. We'll just skip on to that because that's what we do with the hard parts, right? No, we're not going to do that. Be humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. This is the big one. This is what I want to talk to. Just because someone does something to you doesn't mean you need to do it back to them. Don't insult them back. Don't use your words in a negative light. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Now, that doesn't mean that you shy away from truth. That doesn't mean when you need to speak up, you don't speak up, because that does. But if you are simply wanting to put the dagger in them the way they did it to you, then don't do it. More damage will be done by that. On the contrary... Repay evil with blessing, going back. It is more blessed, if we look at the verse next, to bless, to give, them receive. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Remember, if you're a Christ follower, and if you're not, just letting you in a little bit. This isn't it. These 80, 90 years on this earth is not it. This is just the beginning. This is just the title page. This is just the introduction that we don't really read in the books at times. Eternity is where we're headed. 
For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, evil and their lips from deceitful speech. The tongue, the mouth is a powerful tool. And I would say these next two months, November, December, going into January, it can be used to be offer generosity in ways you've never even thought of. Are your words generous? Do you give them freely? Do you encourage? Do you lift people up? Do you not point out the flaws in them, but point out what's actually working? Be generous. Because, as we know, people don't deserve it, but we didn't either. Isn't grace scandalous? It's not fair at times. But Jesus offers it. And because of that, we must be generous. So why should we be generous? I don't know if you Google a lot lately, but I love Google. I Google everything all the time. I Google Siri. I talk to Siri. Sometimes I have to repeat it three or four times because she doesn't get my southern accent when I'm tired, but it doesn't matter. I I Google things. And I don't know if you've ever Googled how to survive this time of year or anything, but there are thousands upon thousands of searches of simply, how do I get through the holiday season? How do I make it through? I'm not focused on a baby in a manger. I'm focused on the person I'm missing at the table. I'm not focused on a baby in the manger. I'm focused on my family that split this time. I'm not focused on a baby in the manger being thankful and I really don't know how the pilgrims and the Indians got together. And I'll be honest, I really don't care right now. I'm just trying to figure out if I can get my table together for my children to be a part of it. No one, there's thousands upon thousands. And in that moment, I don't think you can say, hey, here's some money, go get a new family. Hey, here's a nice turkey, eat this by yourself. And sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. But if that is our mindset and that is our culture and that's what people are going through and we have hope in us, And I'm not saying to say something weird and give them a Bible verse that doesn't really make sense. I'm saying to be genuine with your words and be generous with your words. If that's the mindset, then maybe the church, we know this, we have hope, we have life, we have it to the full, then maybe we give people grace and cut them some slack when people are ruder this time of year. Because maybe they're not just upset at you. Maybe there's something so much more under the surface. Are you generous with your words? Are you generous with the word? The word? In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. That word is Jesus Christ. What I'm not saying is go in the corner and start yelling, turn or burn. If you don't get right, you're going to get left. That's not what I'm saying at all. But do your words point people to Jesus? Do your, are you generous with them? Do your Facebook posts point people to Jesus? 
You don't need to subtweet about somebody. And what subtweet means is you talk about somebody, but you never mention them in the post. That doesn't point people to Jesus. That just turns people away. Does your water cooler talk point people to Jesus? Does your break room talk point people to Jesus? Are you generous with your words? Because here's the bottom line. A generous word, a generous word can offer hope in a hopeless situation. And for many people in this world today, they're hopeless. They have no hope. They think 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, sleeping on Saturday, maybe come to church on Sunday. They don't know, maybe not, because that's what most people don't do now in our community, is all there is to it. Maybe for you, that's all you've thought it is. It's just a, it's just a grind of this life. Well, I had dreams at one time, and I had aspirations at one time, but now, nope, just, just trying to make the bacon. You see, the word, the living word, the generous word offers hope in a hopeless situation. And he says, I'm gonna let you, Jeremy Kirby, with your draw and your, I'm gonna let you proclaim my name. And all you gotta do is love. Sometimes it's not even saying much at all. They will know that you love me by the way you love each other. But are you generous? Maybe that means offering truth in, in, in the gospel for somebody. But maybe that means just showing up to somebody and, and guys don't do this to women, this gets weird. But if a lady, you work with a woman and she looks nice, say, hey, that's, that's a pretty dress you have. When's the last time that person's been paid a compliment? You go, Jeremy, that's so childish. Well, yeah, it is. But then I go back to Jesus said, come to me like a child. And that's just how we start things. People don't care what you know until they know that, that you care. And unfortunately, the best way for people to know is they hear before they see us. So what are your words saying? Are you being generous with them? Are you being generous with him? Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that includes your words as well. So today, you may be here and you just wish someone would be generous to you with their words. You wish someone would pay you a compliment. Well, I don't know any higher compliment to pay you right now to say that you were created in the image of the living God. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. There's nothing greater than that. Thank you again for listening. If you are looking for more content, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, as well as our website, meadowdale.org. There are plenty of resources there as well as information on any next steps you are looking to take. We hope you have a great day and thank you for being a part of Meadowdale.